Today's episode is sponsored by GradeCam. At the end of the show, I'm going to share with you how GradeCam can make it easier for your teachers to get grades, record grades, and share grades with other educators. But for now, let's get on with the show. BAM Radio Network. I have to distinguish between bias and truth, and I don't know that we've taught that lesson. I make one click on the website, and I'm down some rabbit hole of who knows what. Welcome to ASCD Learn, Teach, Lead Radio, where you'll hear engaging conversations between ASCD emerging leaders, leading authors, experts, and practitioners on the topics that matter to today's educators and impact the success of every child. I'm your host, Rachel George, and I'm joined on Skype by Eric Palmer. He is the author of Researching in a Digital World, How Do I Teach My Students to Conduct Quality Online Research? Eric, welcome to the show. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you here. So we've been hearing a lot about fake news all over. It seems like wherever we wherever we turn, we're hearing about fake news. So why are people so susceptible to it? And why is it a hot topic right now? Can you kind of help me out? Well, let me take the second part of that first. Why is it a hot topic? And I think it's a hot topic because of the election. Now, fake news has been around for a long time. I mean, I saw Bat Boy at the checkout stand at the supermarket for many years at the Weekly World News. And we all knew that was fake news. But the difference is that during the election cycle, people were generating fake news stories, possibly for political motivation. So during the election, there was a lot of interest in fake news. And I really think Mm -hmm. that it might have died except for our current president. In one way, some people are thinking the president creates fake news. Were there really buses of people that were taken from Massachusetts to New Hampshire to vote illegally? Did Obama really tap Trump Tower? So some people think he's a fake news generator. But if not that, certainly he uses the term a lot. And as recently as a couple of weeks ago, tweeted that the New York Times, NBC News, ABC, CBS and CNN are all fake news. So it's out there. If the head of the executive branch is using the term a lot, It's something that gets a lot of attention and something that we really need to address as teachers. As for the second part, you asked, why are we susceptible to it? I think for two reasons. Number one, there's what I I call the availability bias. What is available to you is what you believe. And so if you constantly hear fake news, fake news, fake news, fake news, you're going to believe that there's a lot of fake news out there. And the second thing is the confirmation bias, because we tend to believe that which confirms what we already think. So if I can give you a story that is already what you think, Rachel, you're likely to believe it, even though I made it up. So then how do you tell the difference between something just being simply biased and then another news source that maybe has been demonstrably false consistently, especially laying on the factor of social media and the information that's just available to you? How do you how do you break that apart? A huge problem is that we have put the word bias and the word fake together. They're not the same thing. Just because somebody is biased doesn't mean that they're making stuff up. There really is no bat boy. They didn't find someone living three miles under the earth in a cave. That's totally made (laughs) up. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, if I show one picture of Trump that's flattering or choose a picture of Trump that's not flattering, Which picture I choose indicates my bias. They're both true. They're both pictures of the president. But one of them makes him look bad. One of them makes him look good. So I have to distinguish between bias and truth. And I don't know that we've taught that lesson. We have to teach kids to look for bias. And as we do that, understand that that doesn't mean what you're reading was made up. And that's what I was kind of wondering of of applying it to the classroom. Are there strategies or approaches that you would recommend? Because this is a challenging 
topic and skill even for adults. And it can sometimes become heated and very emotional for individuals. Oh, I guarantee. I mean, people will get <laughs> hot about what I've said already. I think part of the problem is we haven't done the job we should have done with internet literacy when people started going online. You know, when I got the Detroit Free Press on my porch, I, I just knew that I could believe what the Detroit Free Press said. But you go online, you have to think about the purpose. We haven't taught kids to look for purpose. Is the purpose to entertain? Is the purpose to persuade? Is the purpose to inform? Is the purpose to be satirical? We haven't done a good job teaching kids to analyze the purpose of sites. And that spills over into this discussion because they don't know how to analyze the purpose of a story. But another thing we have to do is teach kids to check multiple sources. It's so easy to take the thing that's available, like we talked about. But I, I need to check multiple sources. Is this being reported the same way at Breitbart as it is at CNN, as it is at Huffington Post, as it is at Fox News? And so if I check multiple sources, I can get a better sense of what's going on. But that's effortful. I mean, it was so much easier when you could just absolutely <laughs> straight up believe stuff. Exactly. Well, and it also brought to mind the fact that at least at the elementary level, we talk about the purpose of various different pieces of writing, but they're usually hard copy. And it's not necessarily in an internet sense or integrated with technology, unfortunately. And I know that there's other schools that do a, a much better job at it than some of the different ones that I'm thinking of off the top of my head. But how do we connect what we do with poems, literature, all of that, and then connect it into the 21st century, right? Because that's kind of what we're missing in, in that that's a hard thing to do. Well, I mean, think of how easy reading was when you're just reading a poem and making sense of ink on paper compared uh -huh. to when you go online and you find one site that, let's say, is reputable. But instead of having to go to the food store to find Weekly World News, fake news, I'm one click away from fake news. I make uh -huh. one click on the website and I'm down some rabbit hole of who knows what. And so teaching kids to be aware of the about me page and the home page and trying to find who is is something that you didn't have to teach when you were just doing your poetry unit but i have to teach online reading differently than i teach the structure of a novel the structure of a poem the structure of online reading has to be taught and it involves the same kind of specific lessons that we teach for understanding poems but we have to understand the language of online reading so I have some teachers that are super slick with technology and, and using resources online. And then I have some folks that dabble in it and it still makes them a little nervous. Do you have some ideas or strategies that maybe would help them approach this conversation with students to kind of put them at ease and, you know, stair-step them in? Well, understand that these kids are device literate. They know how to use Very any true. device. I mean, you give them some Chromebook that they've never seen before and they know where the ON, OFF switch is, and they know how to find the internet, and they know how to Google things. And I'm talking at a very young age. Mm -hmm. So we have kids in kindergarten who are going online, and we have teachers who are terrified of this. The response, I think, isn't to be terrified. It's to understand that this is what is. And yes, it's daunting at first, but everything is daunting at first. Uh, when I first stepped into a first grade classroom and tried to control 26 first graders, that was daunting. And so your first effort at making sense of the Internet for kids and making sense of fake news for kids is daunting. But it's not for all time daunting. There really are simple things we can do to teach Internet literacy, to teach them how to look for the About Us page, to teach them how to 
look for bias, to check multiple sources, to look for evidence, to understand what fake is. I mean, these are teachable lessons at a very young age. And so I can't be intimidated by the fact that I'm old. And I am old. (laughs) I can't be intimidated by that. I have to prepare kids for what is. So what age should we start talking about this with students? Kindergarten, third grade, definitely probably not middle school, probably should be earlier. What are your thoughts? Well, I wrote Researching in a Digital World after I went into Mm -hmm. a second grade class because second graders had been given in this class Chromebooks and told to go online to do research about different countries. You know, you do Italy, Rachel, and uh, Amy will do Australia, and Eric will do Japan. Second grade, she sent them online with no instruction, absolutely no preparation for what kinds of things you can find on the internet, how to evaluate sites. The minute you send kids online, that instruction should happen. By the time they get to fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school, when fake news is something they can grasp, and I think that's upper elementary to middle where it starts, Gotcha. you piggyback off of what you shared about internet literacy. You guys know how to evaluate a website like the Tree Octopus website, and you know how to check to see if it's real. Now we transfer that. You've had three, four years of instruction in internet literacy. Let's transfer that to fake news. It makes fake news jobs so much easier. Oh, I get it. There's people making stuff up here. But I want to say this. I think this is crucial. I don't want to get obsessed with fake news. It is not the case that most stuff is fake. I don't want to give anybody the impression that you can't believe anything. It's all made up. Because there are some websites that are fictitious, doesn't mean they're all fictitious. And because someone said the Pope endorsed Trump and it wasn't true, doesn't mean that there is no truth. That's a great point and definitely something to consider. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. So we have one final question for you. It's a gold star question. If a teacher wants to earn a gold star for teaching students to develop a healthy skepticism towards news, but also be able to successfully identify and believe what is true and what's factual, what are some key strategies that a teacher should use? Key strategy number one, teach that we need to respect the press. It is fundamental to our democracy. It was the very first thing the founding fathers said after the ink was just dry on the constitution. Oh wait, we need to make a change. First amendment, freedom of the press. So Mm -hmm. teach the respect of the press and then give kids some simple strategies, check multiple sources, check fake news sites like Snopes or PolitiFact or factcheck.org. And I would hand kids in a, a checklist. I think every child ought to have a checklist of, say, 10 questions to look for. And these things are available online. I've got some on blogs posted I put up at ASCD. Hand kids a checklist that they can just go down when they read an article. Answer these 10 questions. If you can answer all of them, yes, I think you can believe the story. I love it. That's perfect. Great advice that you can apply to the classroom immediately. That's perfect. So thank you again for listening to this episode of ASCD. Learn, Teach, Lead Radio. Learn more about Eric's work, including his books, Researching in a Digital World, and also teaching the core skills of listening and speaking at www.ascd.org. Well, as you know, good formative assessment enables educators to understand what students know and where they need help so teachers can adapt instruction accordingly. GradeCam is an app that allows teachers to save time by automating the grading process. With GradeCam, teachers use their smartphones to take pictures of student quizzes, and then GradeCam does all of the grading. Because GradeCam can quickly collect and assess student learning in the moment, teachers can adjust their lessons in real time. GradeCam also works with laptops, desktops, tablets, and any device that has a camera connected to Wi-Fi. GradeCam can also quickly transfer all of the scores into the gradebooks. If you visit GradeCam right now, 
you can request a risk-free 60-day pilot for your school or school district. Just click the easy grading button on your screen to go there now. Or if you're listening by podcast, go by www.gradecan.com slash ASCD. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to ASCD Learn, Teach, Lead Radio. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.